We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is January 29th, 2024. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, joined by my co-host, Luke, Sylvia, Luke, what is going on? You know that feeling where it's been a long time since you've accomplished this one thing, you've done this one thing, and then the load is just lifted. That's that's how I feel. That's how you feel. Every Magic Man fan feels after breaking the uh, almost decade-long curse of losing games to Kevin Durant. It has finally been snapped and convincing fashion down the stretch. I'm I'm in a great mood. So what Luke is alluding to is uh, there's a stat going around uh, Orlando Magic social media, Orlando Magic Twitter earlier in the day, and they talked about it on uh, the Valley Sports Florida broadcast tonight in reference to the last time that the Orlando Magic beat a team that was employing Kevin Durant. And if we go all the way back to the 2013-2014 season, uh, February 7th of 2014. If you remember, folks, that's the game where uh, the Magic are down one with like 30 seconds to go. Kevin Durant lifts up for the shot at the elbow. Victor Oladipo grabs the rebound, drives the length of the floor, throws it to Maurice Harkless, who's right underneath the basket, who then dishes it to the cutting Tobias Harris, who dunks it at the buzzer, to win the game, Luke. That was a Friday night. I still remember where I was. I was mm-hmm. at my then girlfriend, now wife's parents' house. We were in their living room. It was me, Carmen, her brother Anthony, who's now my brother-in-law. Their house that had these textured, like eight-foot ceilings. I'm sitting on their coffee table that entire play, and I stand up as Oladipo's driving the length of the floor, and when Tobias like you know, dunks the ball. I jump up this pump in the air. And as I bring my arm around my, the entire back of my hand, scratched the textured ceiling and my knuckles were bleeding <laughs> after that play. And then that Sunday we played the Pacers at home 
OKC was the number one team in the West. Indiana was the number one team in the East. Listeners of the pod for a long time has, have heard me tell this story. The Magic are about to beat the Pacers, and I'm standing up with like a minute to go, and season ticket holders behind me are yelling at me, tell, telling me to sit down during that game when the Magic were about to beat the number one team in the West on Friday, and then the number one team in the East, and I believe was the number one team in the NBA at the time that Sunday. So it had been that long since the Magic beat Kevin Durant, and the Magic finally did it Sunday night with the win over the Suns. It was incredible. It was a lot of fun. Didn't feel like it was going to end that way for a while, and we'll talk more about it and break it down, everything going through all the emotions from that game, but it, it feels good to be recording after a win. I will say that. I was just about to say, always better recording after a win. What sucks is we're recording after we just watched the Detroit Lions complete their collapse against the San Francisco 49ers. And now we're watching the Chiefs and the 49ers in the Super Bowl, which, you know, has me feeling conflicted. But teams that I wanted to win today both lost, which Um, sucked. Fun fact, the Niners open as two and a half point favorites for that game. Interesting. Will be will be interesting. It'll be a good game, like you said before we start recording. But I just who wouldn't want to see the Detroit Lions playing the Super Bowl? But yeah, uh, no offense to uh to to longtime listener and, and supporter of the show Fuchsia. We know Fuchsia is a, a big Chiefs fan. I think headed to Vegas for the Super Bowl, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Fuchsia, hope you have a great time. I will be rooting for the 49ers. But <laughs> if if the Chiefs win. If there's any bit of sauce that I can find, it'll be that Fuchsia longtime supporter of the show and a ma- massive Magic fan will be happy. So I'll be happy about that, but I'll be upset about everything else. Last thing I'll say before we start talking actual Magic basketball here and get into some stuff. The Chiefs winning for me, they've been around the, the Super Bowl so much in the last few years, near it, in it, winning it. It For me, it's the same feeling as like, when the Alabama Crimson Tide in football win it, I'm just like, eh, what, like whatever. It's, it is, it is what it is. They're dominating the game right now. Eventually, this will come to an end, but it is. I don't really care. Like it doesn't move me that they won a Super Bowl, and so it, it, whatever. That's how I feel about it going into Super Bowl in a couple of weeks here. But unfortunate, the fact that like as good as Mahomes has been, this is really only like his fifth year. I think is the the full full time starter for the Chiefs, and the fact that they've been in the AFC Championship like basically every single year, and now that if they're able to win in a couple of weeks, he'll already have three Super Bowls. It's like this dude. It feels like he's been in our lives for five minutes when you compare him to Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers and and, and Tom Brady, and now here he is with a, a chance to win another Super Bowl already. Pretty crazy, but insane. Hey, at least we can all get past that. Oh, the. The Ravens 49ers Super Bowl is is rigged. Look at the logo, that whole kind of thing. I'm glad that that's over and done with. The team so stupid. Really happy that that's over and done with. Anyways, let's get back to our beloved Orlando Magic. So first of all, folks, if you're a fan of our watch parties, we're big fans of our watch parties. We love them. They're always a lot of fun. Our next one is coming up this Friday. We'll be at Elixir. As the Magic are in Minnesota taking on the Timberwolves. So that game tip off is set for 8 o'clock. So the watch party is going to get going around 7.30. And that is downtown Orlando. I believe it's West Washington Street, if I'm not mistaken. So if you're in the area, uh, Friday night, be sure to come out to Elixir. Going to be a lot of fun. I'm already looking to the the patty melt. So 
Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you guys there. And the night before that, Thursday, we're going to be doing a playback starting at 645 so we can watch the All-Star Reserves being announced Thursday on Inside the NBA on TNT. Fully expect Paolo Bancaro to... Like, it, it seems like it's a foregone conclusion. He was... What, what did he finish? Like fourth or something player, like that in the player and voting? And player voting, yeah. Yeah, finished fourth in player voting in the mm-hmm. Eastern Conference in the, the front court. So when you translate that to what coaches are probably thinking of Paolo Bancaro, and they're the ones that vote in the reserves, and you look at just how well he's been playing, especially the last month, you look at the Magic, they're squarely in the, the playoff picture right now. It, it's a foregone conclusion to me that Paolo Bancaro will be an all-star. I won't accept anything less. Yeah, and it'll be the the feeling of it, him being announced as an all star, whether that's via the show or Shams or Woj, is is gonna feel way different than Vucevic making an all star, right? Vucevic was awesome, and he was a bright spot in what was really a dark time of Magic history. Obviously, making the playoff appearances, becoming an all star. That was like a feel good story to me. Paolo Bancaro, this is a this is a start of a dominant story. They're different. And this is Paolo asserting himself officially into like I'm here to stay. And so that'll be a much different feeling for me. It'll be like, oh, you know, good for Magic fans. They got Vooch. I I can't wait for people to be complaining that Paolo Bancaro became an all-star and it's his first of many, and they can get over it. Because he's here for a long time, and that's gonna that if he is not named an all star, it will be ugly. But if and when he is named on Thursday, that'll be a great feeling. With Vooch, it was like the you know seven year payoff of like watching him get better year after year, and then you felt like okay, this is his ceiling, like he's reached the apex, like he's finally been given the recognition mm-hmm. that we thought that he deserved for at least a couple of years. Paolo, it's like. This is the floor. Like this is the very beginning. Like, and yeah. that's what's so exciting about it is that you know, Paolo now is is pretty close to like as good as Vooch ever was, and that's not to knock Vooch. Like he was incredible. That's just to speak to how good Paolo is and how good he's going to be. So, okay, we're gonna start that about six forty five. The broadcast starts at seven. Um, Shams tweets out the the results and and the news of that, like either as soon as it happens or even a couple of minutes before. So we're just going to be on there early so we can either watch the broadcast and celebrate together. We can see the the tweet and and celebrate just going to be really fun because it's, it's the beginning of, of many for, for our boy Paolo and you know, Julius Randall. Now it sounds like even if he's named a reserve, whatever is going on with the shoulder dislocation, he may not be able to participate in the all-star game. Maybe, Maybe named a reserve, but they're, could be a replacement coming and could be Franz Wagner. I mean, maybe Franz is named a reserve. I don't know. It'd be awesome to have two all-stars, but it definitely feels like Paolo for sure. Now, getting to the state of the Magic, which we cover each episode, just go over uh, how the Magic did this week and how they're looking so far on the season. So this week, the Magic went one and two with a loss to the Cavs on Monday, an incredibly disappointing and frustrating loss to the Memphis Grizzlies on Friday a win over the Suns on Sunday. They currently sit eighth in the Eastern Conference with a record of 24 and 22. They're 11 games back of first place Boston, eight games back of second place Milwaukee, six games back of third place Philadelphia, five games back of New York, who are sitting in fourth. 
four and a half games back of Cleveland sitting at five. They're two and a half games back of sixth place Indiana. They're tied with seventh place Miami, but right now Miami holds the head-to-head tiebreaker. They lead the season series two to one. So same record, 24 and 22. Miami is seventh. Orlando is eighth. We're three games up on Chicago, five games up on Atlanta, five and a half games up on Brooklyn, and eight games up on Toronto. On the season this far, the Magic are 24th in the NBA in offensive rating with a rating of 112.2. They are fifth in the NBA in defensive rating with a defensive rating of 111.5. They are 15th in net rating with a net rating of 0.7. If you're unfamiliar with these ratings are, basically offensive rating is how many points you're giving up per 100 possessions as a team, or how many points you're scoring, rather. The offensive rating is how many points you're scoring per 100 possessions. Defensive rating is how many points you're giving up per 100 possessions. And the net rating is your point differential per 100 possessions. So Magic offense, not that great. It's definitely been sliding since the, the winning streak. But the defense is, is definitely holding strong. We're going to talk more about that uh, tonight as we talk about the, uh, the, the win over the Suns. Taking a look at the injury report, it's now only Gary Harris, who's doing some on-court work but is not doing any contact. As of yet, he's missed the past 12 games with a calf strain, so he missed a couple of games, tried to come back from it, re-aggravated it, and now has been out, I believe, since January 3rd uh, with the calf strain, and there's still no timetable on that. If we see Gary before the All-Star break, it'll be, a, it'll be an added bonus, but I think at this point, schedule's starting to lighten up. We're going to talk about that towards the end of the show tonight or today, whenever it is that you're listening to this. But if you can afford to have Gary sit and heal up, and I think the Magic can, it's probably a good idea because you just don't want this to become like a issue for the last you know thirty plus games after the All Star break, Luke. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see what they're doing with Gary. Some people speculate Gary's getting dealt, and that's why he's still being held out. But time will tell. We're we're not too far from from finding out the answer to that. Now let's talk about this Memphis game, Luke, as, as ugly and as frustrating as it was. Um, I just want to go to the, the first half of this game because that's ultimately where you lost this game. This game came down to the wire. You know, Paolo Bancaro finds Joe Ingles for the wide open three at the buzzer. Magic were down one. Joe Ingles misses it. The Magic end up losing. But this game did not come down to that final possession. And as we talk through this game, we can talk more about sort of the last few minutes and that final possession and how we felt about it, Luke. But this game, for me, was lost in the first half. So you're tied after one, 31-31. The Magic shoot 61% from the floor, although they shoot one of seven from behind the arc. Memphis is still in the game because they shot six of 12 from behind the arc. They made six threes in that first quarter. And then in the second quarter, they shoot six of 10. They shoot 60% in the quarter, six of 10 from behind the arc. And the Magic were three of 10 from behind the arc. And then you're down, what was that, nine at the half. Magic's offense like never really fully got going. The defensive effort got a little bit better in that second half. The first half was just riddled with wide open looks. And the Grizzlies were knocking down plenty of tough shots as well. But in the second half, when the Magic had plenty of opportunities to come back and win this game, you shoot 39% from the floor. You shoot 29% from behind the arc and you miss four opportunities at the free throw line. And across the entire game, you shoot 21 of 29. 
you make two more free throws in this game, free throw shooting has, has been an issue seemingly the entire season, Luke. It's been more blatant recently because it's actually causing us to lose games like we're losing games at the free throw line alone. But the defense, the the effort that you had in that first half, and then just the inability to knock down anything in that second half is and it really ends up uh, losing you this game. If we go to the fourth quarter, Magic shoot 36.8%. Paolo shot 57%. Paolo had 12 of the Magic's 22 points in the fourth quarter. He shoots four of seven. Franz is one of four. J.I. is two of two. But Wendell is 0 of one. Joe Ingles is 0 of two. Anthony Black, 0 of two. Mo Wagner, 0 of one. Jalen Suggs left this game after the first few minutes, had a collision, got kneed in like the knee, like thigh area, and left the game, but then wasn't on the injury report uh, the next day and, and played on Sunday. So it was sort of this weird injury that went away in a night, I guess, but kept him out of the game for the most part. But Luke, this was just a really frustrating game given the way that the Magic performed in the first half. And then Paolo got it going in the fourth quarter and it seemed like he wasn't going to let us lose and just couldn't get any help from anybody else on the roster. I agree absolutely with the sentiment that Paolo carried this team in the fourth quarter, but as much as Paolo Bancaro carried this team in the fourth quarter, he let them down in the third. Uh, third quarter, he shoots six field goals. He doesn't make a single one. He plays the entire third quarter. The only time that he played the entire quarter. And that third quarter was pretty detrimental to the comeback. Obviously, you end up losing by a point. So for me, Paolo played great in that fourth. But what he is going to continue to do is get better. And with coming, getting better means playing more complete games. Games where you don't go scoreless in a quarter that you played the entire duration. We scored two points, I think, but those were free throws, obviously. So for me, he just wasn't hitting shots. He missed like a he missed a lay-in in that third quarter as well, just bricked it looking for a foul. Something that I think that he also is gonna have to learn. Like when when am, when is this going to actually when am I gonna get a call on this versus just searching it and seeking it out. But yeah, so the energy was awful much different than what we saw against Phoenix. And um, so, yeah, much different than what you saw against Phoenix. And the the turnovers in the third, I, I tried to talk, but I was muted. The turnovers, <laughs> uh, he had like back-to-back turnovers in the third quarter where he just like drove like right to the rim mm-hmm. and got stripped each time as the Magic were trying to, to mount that comeback. So, yeah, when you compare this, and, and not that we're going to go right into the Phoenix game, but when you compare this to the level of effort and energy that the Magic came out with against Phoenix, knowing like, hey, we just lost a game on Friday that we shouldn't have lost. We're now one game over 500. We need to, we need to win this game at, uh, against Phoenix. And you saw that sense of urgency like right from the rip, and that was nowhere to be found until the fourth quarter. And really in that fourth quarter, it was just from Paolo. And defensively, like J.I., J., not J.I., Jalen Suggs goes out early in this game. So like the guy that really usually gets us going on that end wasn't on the floor. He was, he, he literally left, went to the locker room. We didn't, he never came back to the bench after, you know, the first four or five minutes of the first quarter. He usually gets us going on that end. The rest of the team was like searching for that. J.I. was bringing it defensively, uh, especially on Jaron Jackson. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. was killing us the majority of this game. Wendell, I, I feel like got a little bit too much like flack 
he was defending Triple J pretty well for the most part in this, in this game. Jaron Jackson Jr. was knocking down some pretty tough shots, but it did feel like down the stretch, we should have went to Jonathan Isaac on Jaron Jackson Jr. much, much sooner. Because as soon as we put J.I. on Triple J, like it, it was over. It was just like completely shut down. So J.I. brought it. Anthony Black played really well defensively, but it just seemed like the rest of the roster just really didn't have the energy. And when we're looking at the schedule, we're like, great, like we just lost this game. Now we've got Phoenix coming up. It felt like this was a game that you absolutely had to have. Now, beating Phoenix makes me feel a lot better about the loss to Memphis because you probably figured you were only going to win one of those games. But now it's like, well, we beat Phoenix. If Joe Ingles hits that shot Friday at the end of the game or we make a couple of free throws, then you know, then we feel really good about coming away with both of those wins. Luke, I want to go to the end of uh, of the fourth quarter. So Paolo, we mentioned, you know, 12 points in that fourth quarter, like really help bring the magic back in the game and sort of like keep it, keep us in it. And going down the stretch, um, some missed free throws. There's missed free throws down the stretch here. Uh, Wendell Carter, magic are down three uh, or down four with a, a minute 21 to go. Wendell is fouled, goes to the free throw line, makes the first, misses the second. Magic are still down by three. Uh, and then with 29 seconds left, Franz is fouled, goes to the free throw line, makes both of those. Uh, Grizzlies have a, a, a shot clock turnover, 24-second violation. Magic get the ball back with five seconds to go, and then everybody knows the ball is going to Paolo. Paolo drives, draws two. Joe Ingles is wide open. He kicks the ball to Joe Ingles, and Joe Ingles just misses the three. Like, Wide open three from the left wing to win the game. I'll take a wide open Joe Ingles three all day if that's what you're going to give us. Some people had an issue with Paolo not just sort of forcing the issue and driving to the lane. Luke, what did you think of that final play call and then Paolo's decision? Like we've we've given the Magic a lot of crap for not calling good like out of timeout plays to win the game. This is one of the better ones they've had all year. You just didn't get the result that you wanted. That's how I felt. That was my first takeaway. My first takeaway was that the play was great. It executed well. You just had to hit the shot. And Joe Ingles, I I would trust him to hit that shot again, right? Like, though he missed it, I have full confidence that Joe Ingles takes and makes that shot in the same situation once again. I enjoyed the fact that it was Paolo Bancaro, right? We've seen it on the sideline out-of-bounds plays, especially where... It goes to Franz, and Franz settles for a long three or whatever it might be. It just feels more natural when Paolo has the ball down the stretch and especially for the final play of the game. Great decision to go out to Joe Ingles there. So I didn't have any type of issue with the final play. The The issue was all what happened prior, right? even down to Dell missing that free throw down the stretch with what of like a minute left or even less to what could have, you know, changed the game at that point. You're working from a point down the rest of the time after Franz goes to the line, I believe, and makes his free throws. So it's, yeah, it was just frustrating. And I, I, I was, uh, I mean, as you and I often do the magic consume our, our thought life and our conversations. And, I was just thinking, just like, 
man, that game just shows. Like you go against in this game, sleepwalking against a depleted Memphis Grizzlies team. It just takes one guy to go off and the supporting cast not to mess it up, not to throw the game away. And anyone can win in this league. But at the same time, it is so hard to win in this league. And at that point, like the Magic are 5-10 and in their last 15. And so it's just really felt like we've really had to work for a lot of these wins. And a lot of these losses just were exhausting games that you you just had to make it out of. And, And that's what I really was thinking about after this loss was like, it is so difficult to get a win. I think one thing that that I would like to talk about, because I mean, not to jump right to the the Phoenix game, but another game where where this individual didn't have a good game and struggled in this Memphis game. Cole Anthony, uh, twenty three minutes, five points, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals, but two of eight from the floor. What felt like such a strength earlier in the season, the bench unit. Cole Anthony was leading the league in bench points, like with points scored off the bench. Joe Ingles was top 10 in points scored off the bench. Cole Anthony, I think, was first or second in assists off the bench. Joe Ingles was top five in assists off the bench. And as much as like Cole brings other things, effort on defense, playmaking, ball handling, rebounding, right? If he is turning the ball over the way that he has been recently, if he is shooting the ball the way that he has been recently, the bench unit doesn't have that same pop. And it it becomes like it becomes hard to play Cole Anthony if he's not giving you that scoring punch. Because although he does bring you, you know, value in other areas, the number one thing that we need from Cole Anthony is to score points efficiently. And he just lately has has failed to do that. Like I'm, I'm having trouble finding, like in my mind, the, the the last like like big Cole Anthony games that he's had, like two or three consecutive performances that were really good. It feels like every couple of weeks right now he gives you you know 15 to 20 points and then follows it up with a seven point game or a nine point game or an eight point game. Has a few more of those, might have a 15 point game. Then follows it up with you know a few more five six seven point games. I have a feeling that that's exactly what you're looking into now, Luke. I'm going to throw it to you. What are your thoughts on the way that like Cole Anthony has been performing lately? Because I it's really hurting the bench unit and and it's hurting us. Like it's we we've lost games, and not to put all the blame on Cole Anthony, but like there are games that we've lost recently where you're like, wow, if Cole Anthony's able to step up and have a big game, Magic could have won tonight. But we haven't have one of those performances it feels like in a while it's just one of those things where you came to expect something to be one way and when it doesn't go that way it makes you more frustrated right if this was just a simple role player maybe this would this would feel different but cole anthony showed us so much and has for the last 70 percent of last season that we've talked so much about to the beginning of this season where he just was incredible and efficient and did everything correctly. And defensively, that is an area that he has absolutely stepped up in. The Magic have done a great job schematically with him too to kind of put him in positions to succeed. And he is 
100% effort. There's no doubt about effort with Cole Anthony. But it, and it is become confusing because, to be fair, in that Memphis game, he didn't have a turnover. He had four assists, and he was plus 10, the highest plus minus on the team. Now, obviously, you got to look as well with like Jonathan Isaac, who was four or five from the field, was a plus seven. They played together some, right? Like, so plus minus can be misleading for sure. But Cole Anthony still did have four assists in that game and zero turnovers. I don't know that these last two games are necessarily the example. I understand that Cole obviously went two for eight, which is not efficient in the slightest. But there are games for sure when he is in it, both inefficient and turnover prone. And it can be frustrating because it's like, I know that you've had games where you've had four or five assists and zero turnovers and shot the ball either average or very efficiently. You know it's in there. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if it's just how teams are, are going at him and their game plan. Maybe some teams game plan better for Cole Anthony than others. Get in his head a little bit. Get him, you know, pressuring him early. Getting him off his mental game for the rest of the game. I don't know. I don't know what it is. So I've got um, a little, just want to throw a little context in here. Last uh, 15 games for the Magic, Cole's appeared in, in 14 of those. So I'll just go to his last 14 games. 21 minutes a game, 8.8 points per game, shooting 37.9% from the floor, 26 from behind the arc, 3.6 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 1.8 turnovers. Yeah. So has not not been efficient from behind the arc. The you know, he's he's coming off the bench, so the rebounding numbers aren't going to be crazy. But the 2.2 assists to 1.8 turnovers, that when you add that with the inefficiency offensively, it's like, and he he's competing defensively. Like if he was a, just a complete cone defensively, right. it would, it would like, he would be unplayable. Now there are teams, there are certain matchups where in that bench unit, they're like, okay, we're just going to hunt Cole Anthony on every single pick and roll switch till we get Cole Anthony and attack him. And he is exposed at times, but if he is not giving you that scoring punch off the bench, I mean, at this point, I'll even take it at volume. Like, he's he's not giving you the volume. And I feel like it's because he knows that he's struggling, but not even nine points a game, 37.9% from the floor, 26% from behind the arc. Like, I, and I, I'm not meaning to make this, like, the crap on Cole Anthony episode. I just want to point that out, that, like, he is a guy that we def- desperately need to step up. Yeah, agreed. I mean, yeah, that's really all that I have from from this Memphis game. That was a, another takeaway from me. Like you mentioned, it wasn't so much the turnovers. It was like, like, hey, man, like this is this is a game like where somebody else needs to, to step up and bring it. And it, it's been you know a few weeks since we had like, oh, hey, Cole was awesome tonight. Like we needed offense, we needed somebody to step up. This is a prime opportunity for Cole against a Memphis Grizzlies team that is just really depleted and the the. the like you go down the roster, like Vince Williams Jr., Santi Aldama, John Conchar, Zaire Williams, David Roddy, Gigi Jackson, Xavier Tillman, Jacob Gilliard. Like the five eight five nine Jacob Gilliard is out there, you know. Given the Memphis Grizzlies thirteen minutes, like that's a game that you just you really needed to find a way to win. And uh, Zaire Williams was awesome. Luke Kennard was awesome. Jaron Jackson Jr. thirteen for thirty. 
I mean, I guess gave them good minutes, but yeah, disappointing loss, Luke. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Patreon, and then we'll go ahead and, and talk about this Suns game. So our our lovely patrons, uh, patrons. I don't know where that uh our lovely southern patrons. accent just came from. I, I love our patrons. Thank y'all so very much. Um, yeah, that was weird. Our lovely patrons. Uh, we had a, an awesome Zoom call with them this last Thursday, as we talked about you know the last couple of episodes here, uh, where we just talked about the Orlando Magic, how everybody's feeling. The the check in with Magic fans was was refreshing. We've been talking about that the last couple episodes. Like, hey, if we sit back and and look at what we've accomplished this year, we're still in a good place. Here, basically everybody say like, hey, I'm still feeling pretty good from where we were in October. Uh, was nice. But if you missed that, don't miss the next one. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash the six man show. Those Zoom calls I was just talking about. We do those each month with our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons. Anytime we have a new patron, we give them a special shout out and we give our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons a special shout out on each episode. So we'll go ahead and start with the Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Normal Magic Player History, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Donkey Punch, Dave, Paolo and Franz is warm, Pierre A, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Danimal, Dodo 15, Bobby Skinner, Cody 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Bill Fulton, Emin Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Kayla Pete, Cannibalism, Time, Mr. TV, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95, Shred, Junior, Bruce, Half-Reek, and Shahin 177, Bulby the Dawn, Himlo, Ben Himro, RM Prop 221, Magic Kid 714, Mysterious Mosley, Soft Taco, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Only Franz, Maria, Keith Walls, Fritz, Currency Kev, Rough Sal, Case and Green, Santi Leon, Kane Eckler, The Distract, Ahmad Timsa, Chansu, Tom Gadsden, Dead Air, Richard Tuttle, Jeremiah Quintero, Barstool Magic, and Debo 1980. If you would like to be one of our patrons and help support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving on to Sunday night, the matchup against the Phoenix Suns. 
barely lost to the to the Suns, uh, you know, uh, New Year's Eve when the Magic were on that that West Coast road trip. Uh, game came down to the last final minutes, and you just you felt like if the Magic can play their game, Luke, they'll have an opportunity to to win this game because as talented as Phoenix is, they're just not a very deep team. They have spent so many assets getting guys like Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal to Phoenix. They just don't really have uh, much of a bench unit. So for me, early in this game, when the Magic are down by 13 and they start to make their comeback, I tweeted this, but it was just like, if the Magic can find a way for that bench unit to dominate, we'll be able to win this game. If they're not able to dominate, it's going to be really difficult for us to win this game. And I don't know that I would say that the bench unit necessarily dominated. Uh, there are a couple of guys that the Magic played really well when they were in the lineup, but it didn't feel like the bench unit dominated. It felt like Jamal Mosey was pulling the the right levers tonight. For you know, for us, we've talked you know in the past about so, like questioning some of the decisions that Jamal Mosley makes when it comes to rotations, when it comes to closing lineups. Tonight, you have to give credit where credit is due. He pushed the right buttons. He pulled the right levers. And it ended up with the Magic getting a win, Luke. Yeah, and you referenced that game on New Year's Eve where the Magic, like you said, lost. They lost 112-107. to 107, But this game felt like that game because the beginning, the first quarter, the, the Phoenix Suns, once again, just like on New Year's Eve, scored 37 points in the first quarter. And uh, in that game on New Year's Eve, the Magic scored 24 in the first. The Magic scored 26 in the first this time around. And at that point, I was like, man, that's a terrible start against a team with a lot of firepower. And the, this team, like the Magic just really aren't built to come back big because of the lack of ability to shoot the three. So whenever you see this team get down, you know, anywhere from 11 to 11 plus points, honestly, it's like, okay, I know there's going to be a run at some point, but I'm less confident because you can't rely on threes to get you back in this in case you dig even a deeper hole. So it was important that you come out firing. And that's what the Magic did in that second quarter. You know, the, in terms of defensively, they came out firing, right? They held them to 19 in the second quarter. And at that point, it's like, realistically, you're thinking, was a great defensive quarter. That's probably the best one you're going to have this game, holding them to 19. And then you get the fourth. It, I like. I would love to just freaking go there to talk about this game because that was incredible, right? I mean, you you win the second quarter by six, you win the third quarter by two, and you just want to have a shot down the stretch. And the Magic do way more than that. They suffocate the Suns. The Suns don't score a bucket for, what was it, eight minutes and some? From like the 10-10 mark left in the fourth, KD hits a shot. And I think KD was the next one to hit a field goal with like, I don't even know, like two minutes left? Something like that. Something ridiculous. The Magic go on an incredible run. Jonathan Isaac in this one was awesome. Played 23 minutes. 22 and close to 23, like 2250-something. And he's now had two consecutive games with 22-plus minutes in the game, which were his highest minute totals of the year and the highest since 2019. 
So we're seems like we're getting back on track with Jonathan Isaac. Just praying that dude can stay healthy because we saw the difference that he makes down the stretch. And just to to hold that core for the Suns to that amount was awesome. And especially considering Beal started off with what he had like six of their first six points and then scored three the rest of the way. I don't know what was going on with his nose. He takes off the mask at some point that he was wearing for his nose. I don't know if that threw him off further, but he finishes four of 13. But KD only shoots 12 times. Like there was a lot in this game that were just like complete head scratchers. I know book is incredible. He scored 44. He just the other night scored 62 or whatever it was, but he shoots 26 times tonight. Katie only gets 12 of them. And it's like, man, I know that he can put up points in a hurry talking about Booker, but at Kevin Durant, it's, I, it's as a Suns fan, I'd be like, man, just get Katie involved more. But Katie tonight was just really bad. Uh, seven turnovers tonight had a, had a tall giraffe on him in that fourth quarter and Jonathan Isaac Jonathan I also want to talk about this I want to talk about Jonathan Isaac forcing the turnover on KD pressures him right after the half half court court line yeah that was insane and then to see Jonathan Isaac just react after that fired up about it man this the kid's incredible yeah so what you were referring to is is KD uh, hits a shot uh, to make the game going back. It was the the ten ten mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he hits a nineteen foot pull up to make it ninety two eighty nine. A few minutes later, uh, Booker has a couple of free throws to make it ninety four ninety seven Orlando. But their next free throw or their next field goal didn't come until a Kata Bates drop four foot driving finger roll with 156 to go. So it was 8 minutes, 14 seconds that the Suns went without a field goal. And the Magic were down 3 at that point, and then they were up 14 after that Kata Bates job layup with less than 2 minutes to go. And that was basically when the the Suns had waved the white flag, subbed in all the scrubs. He makes that layup, the Magic call the timeout, sub everybody out, and then the rest of it is is really just... Uh, garbage time that you hold the the Suns to 13 points in the quarter really 11 like their main guys you hold them to 11 points with seven of those coming in the first two minutes of the fourth quarter and then you get four points the rest of the way from the majority of those guys like this was as special of a defensive performance that fourth quarter as I think you will ever see like the Suns did miss a couple of good looks. Like there were a couple of shots, especially the way Booker had it rolling. Yeah. There were a couple of shots that he took that I I genuinely could not believe they didn't go down. But again, I talked about this from the Memphis game. Jonathan Isaac and Anthony Black just leading the way. J.I. was talking about Anthony Black after the game and just as a rookie, when you come in, like you either have it right away or you don't. And he talked about how Anthony Black has it. And there was a point, I think it was in the second half, where A.B. wanted to guard Booker and Jamal put him on somebody else. And J.I. said A.B. was visibly frustrated because he wanted that matchup. Like, 
say whatever we said. We said some dumb things about Anthony Black pre-draft because we just didn't think there was any chance. Like it, it didn't make sense in our heads that we were going to draft another guard at six. The number one thing that we said 30 seconds after watching Anthony Black is that the kid is a dog. Yeah. And the kid is a dog. He had a stretch. I forget. I, it, was in the, it was in the third quarter, I think it was. He had this defensive stretch where he had, I, I think he had a block or, or like at least just like changed whoever shot. And I'm like jumping off my couch, like screaming because the kid it just competes and is so good on that end. There is another possession where I think it was Beal and KD and they ran like a high pick and roll. And J.I. ended up on Beal. A.B. ended up on Kevin Durant. And the ball just gets thrown over Kevin Durant's head, like out of bounds. And Dante and Jeff are talking about, oh, well, the Suns got the matchup that they wanted. I said, Anthony Black on Kevin Durant, out of all the guys that are on the floor, I don't think is the matchup that they were searching for. Mm-hmm. J.I. and A.B. are on the floor. There's three other guys that you would probably want guarding you in that situation than A.B. And the fact that he is embracing those opportunities and those challenges and delivering on that end this early on is just so much fun. And like you said, holding a team of that caliber to 13 points in the fourth quarter, it it makes the Memphis loss from Friday that much more frustrating Mm -hmm. because you had all of the same guys didn't come out with that level of energy. And this is what has been making me so mad about this team the last few weeks as we've been getting healthier. Offense aside, I don't care about the offense. The offense wasn't that great tonight. Like, sure, you score, you know, what was it, uh, 113 points, but you shoot 44% in this game. You shoot 33% from the three-point line. You shoot 73% from the free-throw line. Like, this was not a, an offensive masterclass or showcase by the Magic whatsoever. They just decided, guess what? Two of these quarters tonight, Phoenix ain't scoring. And when this team does that, that's when they're going to play their best basketball, and that's when they're going to be really, really hard to beat. One of the last things that I'll say here about this game is when I knew it was, it, it felt over, or it felt like our chances were great. I, I shouldn't say that I felt like it was over. I felt like the Magic were still going to have a great shot to win the game. Because when you're dealing with stars like this, when there comes to like when you're with five, six minutes, like you're in the closing stretch. The, the I know players, exactly what you're going to talk about. The players on the court are the ones that like th- those are the ones that are going to finish the game. Five, like five forty ish left in the fourth quarter. Booker has the ball. Free throw line. Oh no. Okay, never mind. We're talking about something else. We're talking about something else. But he was on the baseline. And he took a fader when they were down five to us with like, like I said, like 540-ish left. And he misses it. And in those times, like it just feels like when a team, when a, when a team is just going to superstar you to death down the stretch, they're not missing. They're not missing anything. Like you said, they miss them. You know, if you don't score for eight minutes, chances are, yes, the defense was great, but you also had to miss some shots. And Booker misses that fadeaway. And then I just feel good. Magic are up five. I have no reason to feel good in that moment. You're only up five to a team of that talent. But I was like, if they were going to put this game away and stomp on the Magic's neck, Booker is making that fadeaway shot. 
and then I feel like over losing this game. So in one shot, I had a totally, I, I had a defining moment of the game for me. And I was like, man, the Magic have a great shot to win this game. I would go as far as to say, I think they're going to win this game because of that. So I was just, man, I uh, couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I really thought after really the first half, despite having a much better second quarter than the first, like, man, we're going to be recording after a loss tonight. Three straight L's. Not a fun time, but thank goodness for that fourth quarter. Well, you know, it was a fun time. I'm going to go back to this isn't the game defining moment. I'll get to that in just a second. But I want to go back to the second quarter. 547 to go. We're, we're, we're queuing up the, the jam, hot chicken, jam of the week. This week, we had a, a couple of, uh, of candidates. There was a play in the, the first quarter. Jalen Suggs pokes the ball loose. Paolo Bancaro ends up with it. The football passed the length of the floor to Franz Wagner. He throws the lob to Jalen Suggs. We had that, and then we had this next one, and we had uh, our, our listeners and, and followers vote on Twitter. This is the one, uh, I believe, that, that came out victorious as we uh, got into recording here. The voting's still going, so it, this actually might not end up being the jam of the week, but at least says the vote. But we're going to talk about this one anyway. 5.47 to go in the second quarter. Jalen Suggs has the ball on the right wing. Uh, Wendell comes up from the corner to set the side pick and roll. He slips past Eubanks. Jalen sees him with the open lane, throws it up with the right hand, and I'm thinking, this ball is way too high. This is a terrible pass from Jalen Suggs. There's no way Wendell is going to get to that. KD is helping down from the other side, and if Jalen would have thrown this ball any lower, KD can actually absolutely make a play on it. But Wendell goes up, and he keeps going up and up and ends up with it and gives the big jam to make it a 45-43 to point game with 539 left in the second quarter. That is this week's Jam Hot Chicken Jam of the Week, Luke. That, man, that play was incredible. And you have one. We To this point, we were talking about it. We hadn't had many good jams this week. And thankfully, we get two of them tonight, which right now, Twitter says that it's 50-50 with like, oh my God. Over 150 votes cast. 150 votes. It's it's split 50-50 right that now. It's That's 50-50. crazy. They were, it was that close. So if you missed either of them, go watch the game highlights. You'll know exactly. They're going to be in the highlights put on by like the NBA on YouTube or whatever it is. But anyway, yeah. Shout out to the, the Jam Hot Chicken Jam of the Week. But I also want to talk about Jam Hot in general. Jam Hot Chicken located at 400 West New England Avenue. Suite 13 in Hannibal Square. They're serving the uh, Nashville and LA-inspired hot chicken shack, locally owned and operated in Winter Park, Florida. There was someone today that mentioned a hot chicken place that wasn't jam hot chicken. All right, I'm not going to name names. We're not going to do any of that. But every time I see, it. it was my guy Cortez, and I told him <laughs> it. You should go to Jam, and he said it's on my list. So, in his defense, he is planning on going. He is just not made it yet and i know he's not going to be disappointed the what i will say about that though he then followed up with a picture of the chicken sandwich and i was like just straight you know what i mean i we just don't want to name it. the establishment right yeah we I'm don't want to do that not doing that 
But what but I was will jam. say, it was not. I knew you could show me that picture. I'd be like, that's not a jam sandwich. That's not a Sando. I know it. I know it's not. And I know it doesn't taste like it. So all that to say, Jam Hot Chicken, go check them out in Winter Park. Like I said, you can go to jamhotchickenfl.com. Look at their menu, online ordering, uh, even things as far as music playlists, all things Jam Hot. Let them know that we sent you when you go check them out. And then you can also go to their social medias at Jam Hot Chicken, and that's everywhere. Back to the Phoenix game. My, the, the game defining moment where I was like, oh, we're going to win this game. And mm. it wasn't like we were up a ton. The game was still, you know, very much in the balance. But with uh, 6.30 to go, Devin Booker is going to the line. And Devin Booker, you know, he's had it going all night. Like he's playing really well. He's at the line. And I, I think. I think it was the play. Yeah, it was the play where he was driving to the rim. Paolo comes from behind him and sort of like swipes the back of his head. And J.I. came from like 90 feet away and just extended, like full extension, gets to the ball, blocks Devin Booker. To me, shouldn't have been a foul. It certainly wasn't a foul on Jonathan Isaac. J.I. makes contact with the ball first and they make you know contact on the body. And Paolo, you know, like barely swipes Devin Booker in the back of the head. So Devin Booker's at the free throw line, and J- it's J.I. I forget who it was for Phoenix, and then it's Paolo on the left left side, like waiting you know, for the rebound for, for this free throw. And Devin Booker's John at J.I., and Paolo starts John at Devin Booker. And to me, it was like, listen, I know you have it going right now, and I know that you're like that, but don't forget that I am also like that. Like, Paolo's level of confidence... And it's like, it's not unfounded. Like he has every right to be as confident as he is, but the confidence that he has against the stars of this league, Kevin, Kevin Booker, Devin Booker, who just put up 60 plus a couple of nights ago, a team that has Kevin Durant and has Bradley Beal, which, Hey, by the way, Mo Wagner scored on Kevin Durant tonight. And I so badly wanted him to turn to him and be like, you can't guard me. (laughs) I so badly wanted that to happen, but it did not. But Paolo jawing at Devin Booker at the free throw line in that moment, I was like, oh, we're winning. We're winning this game. Like, we've got a three-point lead here, but we're winning this game. That was just, that was an awesome moment. Inevitably, when you have three stars on the opposing team, they're sharing the court quite a bit. We still calling Bradley Beal a star, though. We still doing that? Are we sure about that? You sure about that? He's still a good player. I still, (laughs) I still worry about him. Um, but when you have those guys sharing the court together and you have like KD who defensively, when he wants to be elite, he can be elite defensively. When you've just got these guys that Paolo had various stars on him tonight defending him. And what impressed me the most about Paolo is that he still walks away from this game shooting 50%, 9 of 18 from the field, 26 points. And I just love that. I just continue to say this, but I love that 26-point performances, 50% from the field, is just a Palo game. Like, oh, Palo dropped 26 again on great efficiency. What's new? And 205 from three, which is fine. Like, that's that's a good number to be at. You're, you're making 40% at that point. But what impressed me about it was it didn't matter who was guarding him. He was going at them. He wasn't scared. He caught the ball a lot on the baseline tonight. 
and still challenge them no matter who was on him. And at some point, I just kind of took a step back during the game and I was like, Paolo doesn't care. He doesn't care. And I knew that, but just to kind of reflect on it more in the game too, like the lights just, they're not too bright. They're, they're just right. And Paolo Bancaro is, that's, that's our future all-star. One of them ones. Mm-hmm. It, it, our future is uh, as soon as Thursday. Very, very much looking forward to that. But you force Phoenix, what was it, like 22 turnovers tonight, I think is what they ended up with. Just an obscene amount for any NBA team, but especially a team just chock full of all-stars. Like I, I would, I would vomit if that was the Orlando Magic. Credit to the Magic, seven turnovers tonight, seven turn like low turnovers, and you defend well and you you win the game. Who would have thought? Just an awesome performance from the Magic, and it's probably hard to get to that level defensively every single night when you're holding teams to thirteen points in a quarter. But even if you're giving me eighty percent of that defensive effort and performance that you gave tonight. And the offense still has plenty of room to be better. We talked you know, 33% from behind the arc. You can shoot 35%, 36%. You know, make a, a few more threes and knock down your free throws. 19 of 26, not great. So just, just really proud of the way that, that they played tonight. Luke, do you have anything else from this game before we I do, uh, I move do. on to the week ahead? I do, I do, I do. Uh, it is drawing attention to... Worldwide Wobe or Wob, whatever, however he says it. I'm pretty sure it's Wob because his name is Rob. Oh, there you go. Worldwide. That really throws me off, actually. Wob. He drew attention to this. I don't know if you saw it, but when uh, Devin Booker's dribbling the ball up the court. Jamal Mosley, yes. (laughs) And Jamal Mosley notices that we're getting close to an eight-second call. And Jay, Jalen is like on the other side, like right on the other side of the half court line. Jamal Mosley is seem it looks like he is hunting Devin Booker down the sideline. And then he goes right past him and just gets on Jalen to get on Devin Booker to force the, the eight second violation before crossing the half court line. And it was just so much fun. And, and worldwide Wob tweets it out and says, watch Jamal Mosley unleash Jalen Suggs here and cause an eight second violation. And he quite literally unleashed Jalen Suggs in this situation. And Suggs is like, yeah, dude, I, absolutely. I'll step up and do this and causes it. Just does an incredible job on Devin Booker causing that. And then Jalen Suggs does what he does best. And he throws his fist pump. The fist, fist pump, pump and at the he, end is my favorite part. And then he just looks into the crowd. Man, he is just the energizer bunny. And Jamal Mosley knows exactly where to put his guys to make them succeed. And that's just one shining example. That's what I meant like tonight, just like pushing all the right buttons, pulling yeah. the right levers. And it's my, my favorite, not my favorite thing, but I love when I, when I'm telling myself like, Oh, there's a timeout. Okay. This is the, the point that you bring this guy back. Like I, I think there's like seven minutes to go and somebody called a timeout. And I was like, okay, Franz tweaked the ankle earlier in the game and we didn't see him for like a long stretch in the second half. And I'm like, Hey, this is where Franz needs to come back. We come back from commercial and I see Franz on the floor. I'm like, I turn to my wife and I'm like, I know ball. Okay. I know ball. And there was a, a late, another timeout a couple of minutes later. 
And I texted you guys. I'm like, okay, this is where you bring back Jalen and, and you bring back Wendell because J.I. was looking a little bit gassed. I didn't know if he would pull J.I. out or like Mo mm-hmm. Wagner was playing so well, like rebounding the ball. I didn't know if we were going to move Wendell out for either one of those guys. And yeah. it felt like with Cole, it was like he's not giving you a ton offensively, so it would make sense to bring Jalen in for like the defensive purposes. And I believe we took out Cole for Wendell. And we closed with that like jumbo lineup of Markel, Franz, Paolo, J.I., and Wendell, which was awesome tonight. So it was just the perfect example of him making the right moves and putting guys in position to succeed tonight. And I think we've been critical but fair of Jamal in those moments when he hasn't done that. So it's only right that we give him all the credit in the world tonight when like this was a, a coaching masterclass. He, he coached his butt off tonight. Yeah, he was fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. And against Frank Vogel, a guy who has been doing this for a long time and has an NBA championship. So yeah, Jamal just deserves all the credit in the world for and the way that he a coached thing or two about losing in Orlando. You know what I mean? He definitely knows <laughs> quite a quite a bit about losing in Orlando, as a matter of fact. Um, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> All right, Luke, let's take a look at the week ahead. You got a back-to-back in which J.I. after the game tonight says, I expect to play in the back-to-back, which is going to be report, my first time in a while. The report came out. He's not on it. He's not on the injury he's report for tomorrow. The report. Mm-hmm. Which is, is interesting because that injury report, it's so funny that they're like, yeah, let's just throw the injury report right up after the game because it's not due until like, 2.30 Eastern time tomorrow, like 1.30 right. you know, Central where they're playing. But the fact that he's not on that as of right now is a great sign. And I think it'll be the first in almost two months, like the the November like back-to-back that we had, like the first in-season tournament game at Brooklyn, and then that first game at Chicago where we played them twice in a row. I believe that's the last like back-to-back that he played in. Yeah, so to, to summarize, Gary Harris is still listed as out on that initial report for tomorrow. Markell is questionable, and J.I. is a, not on it, so seemingly available with the green light. That's I, so here, here's awesome. the other thing. If Jonathan Isaac goes from 22 minutes the other night to essentially 23 minutes tonight against Phoenix, if Jonathan Isaac eclipses 20 minutes against Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks on Monday, tonight you're listening to this, we are so back. Jonathan <laughs> Isaac is so back. I like Jonathan Isaac is incredibly back. If he plays over 20 minutes, we're well on the war way to 25 minute a game. Screw the result Isaac. of the game. If J.I. plays 20 plus minutes, we are we're so back. So that was back. incredible. So bad. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> All right. So we played Dallas Monday Then Wednesday. We're at San Antonio Friday. We talked about the watch party at Elixir uh, at Minnesota on Friday. And then you're at Detroit on Sunday. This is the start of like a 10-day, I think it's like a six or seven game road trip that these guys are going to be on over the, the course of the, the next 10 days here. So at Dallas, at San Antonio, at Minnesota, at Detroit, at Miami. Oh, so it's only, uh, only five games, but 10 days. So no, uh, no back-to-backs on the road trip. That's always a good thing. So, But Luke, uh, four games this week at Dallas, San Antonio, Minnesota, Detroit, What's your uh, what's your feelings? My feelings are Dallas. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look before I say this. None of these teams are coming off a of back to back. I've already looked that up. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I yeah, for sure. Um, Dallas has t- terrible defense. They have great offense, top ten offense for sure. However, Kyrie Irving likely won't go, as I think he was listed as out. So I think he's definitely not going to go. So no Kyrie. You're coming off of a win against Phoenix. Flying high, maybe. Way higher than you were after Memphis, the Memphis game. I think you're in a groove. I think you steal this one. I'm going to say it. I think you steal it. I think you lose to Minnesota at Minnesota on Friday, unfortunately, for the watch party. But I think you lose that, and then you beat Detroit on Sunday. You can't lose to Detroit. Okay, so you just did it, and it was embarrassing. You can't do that on Sunday. You got to win. So I'm going to say 2-1. and one. We have four games. Mm. So you're missing one. We got Dallas, one. San Antonio, Minnesota, Detroit. Oh, San Antonio. Sorry, I just was already counting that one as a win as well in my head. <laughs> I've already thought about that. So we're two and two. All right. Two, um, that's where I'm at. Oh, wait. No. I'm completely so you're three wrong. and one. I'm three and one. Sorry, guys. Yeah. One. Forgive me. Yeah, no. You're definitely beating the Spurs. You're beating the Pistons. If you don't, I'll I'll be feeling low again. But I think the swing game that changes the whole week is tomorrow or tonight as you're listening to this. You, you got it. I would love to beat Dallas, put yourself at a point where you're three and one on the week or on pace for that. And I mean, what at this point, what are you? You're, you're 24 and 22. So after the San Antonio game, go into Memphis 26 and 22. I'll feel radically different than after I fell on Friday. You go 26 and 22 into that, into the month of February. And even if you drop it, right? Like even if you drop that game, 26 and 23, you beat Detroit, you're 27 and 23. I feel fine going into that Miami game. Yeah, I will say Kyrie being out changes things, makes me feel slightly more optimistic. But the way that we've played on the second night of back-to-backs still does not have me super optimistic. So I would say probably still lose to Dallas, but beat San Antonio. I don't feel great about the the last time that we played Minnesota and the way that we matched up with them. So I have that as a loss. And then the win Sunday on Detroit at Detroit. You don't win that game. There might not be a pod. I don't I don't know what to tell you guys. Like you you just have to beat Detroit. At at this point of the season, where we are, the standards that we have, the level of expectations, you have to win that game Sunday uh, against Detroit. You just you simply have to do that, which would put us at twenty six and twenty four. Again, mm-hmm. heading into you know, right like right in the beginning of February, and then the the schedule lightens up. I mean, maybe we'll 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 talk on the Wednesday pod about what January was, what yeah. our record was, did we survive, right? And then we'll take a look at the schedule to come because when we record Wednesday after the San Antonio game, we'll officially be through January. So we'll save that for the next episode. So the the other thing I'll say, Kevin said this on the post game live but it was a scheduling note for the magic you're going on a five game 10 day road trip and then you host san antonio so you play in san antonio january 31st you get san antonio again at home february 8th but kevin's note was that once you're back in san antonio you're you have 31 games left in the season 19 of them are at home so 
That's a lot of home games. Yeah. As road ha- as red road heavy as this has been and as frustrating as it has been to be on the road as much as we've been, that is a massive gift going into the later later part of the season, especially preparing for what you hope to be getting ready for playoff time. Having those home stands, a little bit more rest, a lot less travel. It's it's wrapping it's it's shaping up to to seem to be a really fun end of the season and I just I hope these guys capitalize on it. Yeah, when you come back you've got the you've got the five game road trip, then you've got a four game home stand before the all star break. So that's gonna be super important to to play well. So yeah, you're three and one, I'm two and two. Either way, either way that breaks, we've we've essentially now reached the point where the worst you can absolutely be at the end of January is five hundred. Mm-hmm. You won't be below 500. You, even if you lose the next two games, which you absolutely, absolutely should not, you have yeah. to win that game in San Antonio. And then you, you, you've completed the, the goal. We've been talking about this literally since the schedule came out, mm-hmm. that if you're at 500 or a few games above 500 after January, this team you know, has a chance to get into the mid-40s in terms of wins and is going to have a chance at you know like the 6-7 seed maybe even the five seed in the East if things get really crazy here. Maybe even the four seed if things get really, really, really crazy. Like if, you go, if you're able to go on another nine-game win streak, which like looking at the schedule, it's not likely, but like if you just would have looked at the schedule at the beginning of the season, the later part of the season is where you would have picked, like, hey, if you're going to go on a big win streak, this is where it's going to be. So if we can get... like. Looking at the schedule, I I think there's a chance for us to have multiple like five plus game win streaks in that later you know February and and into March and the the beginning of April. So we're almost there. It was a tough stretch. The Magic have survived. I, I feel like I feel like we can officially say that, Luke. Anything else before we go ahead and wrap this one up? No, no. All right, folks. Don't forget again, this coming Friday, we will be at Elixir, downtown Orlando, nice ninth West. No, it's Jonathan, get it together here. Read it. It's 9 West Washington Street in Orlando, downtown Orlando. We'll be there at 730 watching the Magic take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Make sure that you guys come down. Uh, last year, the vibes at Elixir were incredible, so you guys do not want to miss this. Um, make sure that you, you know make according plans. You're going to be downtown. Parking's always you know, tough to come by. So if you can find a parking garage somewhere, or you can Uber, whatever you know, works best. So uh, looking forward to seeing you all there. Let's get some wins. Let's get this win on Monday. And yeah, let's win some games this week. That is going to do it for this one. For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You all have been listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Six Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. 
And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.